we want to just be a, a resource uh, right. to the faith communities and to the faith community nurse network out there so that they are still that trusted face mm-hmm. and voice to their fellow congregation and their members of that faith community. Welcome to Everything is Spiritual, a podcast from Soul Care Urban Retreat Center. We're talking with local folks, faith leaders, creatives, thinkers, and community advocates, getting personal about their faith and spirituality and how it shows up in their daily life and work. I'm Kelly Skinner, your host, and I'm sharing these heart-centered conversations to invite you to become more aware that everything is spiritual and to deeply connect with what is most true and alive in your own everyday life. So welcome back to the podcast, and I am so excited to be speaking today with uh, Gregory Scott, who is the nurse program manager for Carl's Faith Community Health Department. He is a registered nurse, a paramedic, a a pre-hospital RN, a trauma nurse specialist, and a faith community nurse. Um, So he's had a lot of experience in this venue. He's actually been in healthcare for 35 years, but his personal spiritual journey has really been his entire life. Both have combined to create a passion for working with individuals across our community to identify strategies to live the healthiest life possible. So Greg, I'm just excited to talk with you and welcome you to the podcast. Well, thank you, Kelly. I appreciate the opportunity to join you today. Yeah. So um, let's dive in. I mean, one of the things that I just love hearing is people's stories around their personal faith and spirituality journey. And so um, can you tell us a little bit about what religion or faith system you experienced growing up? And then how has that evolved for you over the years? Well, sure. And faith and spiritual uh, living has been a part of my life since birth. I was blessed enough to, to live in a stable home uh, growing up. I was the youngest of five children. So my oldest brother is uh, 20 years older than I am. So he was getting married and leaving the house when I was born. And so then my other siblings um, are much older as well. So I then was in the house um as the only child uh, for many years then uh, with my parents. Um, I grew up uh, attending a small Christian uh, church here in Champaign-Urbana area and um, went to Sunday school. Every time the doors were open, we were there. Um, If there was special services, if there was revivals, if there was something going on at the church, we were there. And so growing up, I, I had that faith ingrained into my life. It was no different at home, it, you know, prayer before every meal to bless the food and, and reading scriptures and so forth in the home and, and um, Christian music playing. So, you, you know, I, I had a very uh, similar life at home as I did in church. And it was expected of me um, by my parents that, 
I would live that life forever. Um, and so, but as I aged and got into the teenage years, um, then I realized that I knew more than my parents and uh, I went out and experienced the world some. Um, and so at 18, my father and I had a disagreement and I suddenly left the house and didn't know where to go. Um, wow. And so luckily I had uh, some friends uh, that took me in and I lived on their couch for a while and out of a suitcase. And so I, I share that because it's part of a life journey because I turned my back towards God during those years. And, you, you know, I was fortunate enough that, you know, I didn't die. I didn't get, you know, incarcerated or anything of sort during those years. But obviously you look back and you're like, okay, why did I make those choices? I, mm -hmm. I don't know. It was rebellious, I guess, um, mm -hmm. thinking that there was something better. And, you know, I got married uh, young as well. And I'm, I'm blessed because I have a beautiful wife. We're going to celebrate our 35th wedding anniversary here in a wow. few months. And so we then came back to our faith beliefs. She was uh, raised in the Catholic church, um, attended Catholic schools and so forth up um, until high school. We still believe in the Christian faith um, and so forth. But, um, you know, my first exposure to the Catholic church was because I was not Catholic, um, going through pre-Canaan classes and learning mm -hmm. more about that uh, faith belief uh, was an all new experience to me. But, you know, those are the things that growing up, you know, my friends were, were Christians and things. So, you know, I had a stable childhood mm -hmm. and so forth, but in my teens and early 20s, um, I wasn't right with God and didn't have that personal relationship I had known growing up. But fortunate, um, you know, he took me back. Um, and so my my faith belief has been very strong um, for many, many years now since, um, you know, coming back um, to church and to, to, you know, a Christian life. Um, so it is... It's been an evolution over the years. It's um, not something that's, you know, full of twists and turns, but there was a period in life where there were some twists and turns. And so, mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, wow. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. So at some point within that journey, you got into nursing. What made you decide to be a nurse and uh, specifically, you know, emergency and trauma care? Sure. So my my parents, uh, when I was growing up, they owned a local insurance agency and um, so forth and in a very prominent location here in Champaign-Urbana. Now the Champaign Public Library sits on that property. But, um, you know, their intent was I was going to become an insurance agent, move into <laughs> work and eventually take over the agency and so forth. Mm -hmm. I did not have that interest, though. Starting out, I originally, growing up, wanted to become a firefighter. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's what my lifelong goal was. And I helped start an explorer post through the, the Champaign Fire Department. Mm 
mm-hmm. and uh, was one of the original founding members and approached mm-hmm. the fire chief at that time and, um, you know, had a wonderful mentor that uh, was on the fire department and has since retired and so forth, but really took a vested interest in in mentoring us young, you know, uh, members of the Explorer Post. And as a part of that Explorer Post, uh, we arranged to, to do first aid and CPR training and then ride along with the ambulance service um, here, which was Arrow at that time, was the only mm-hmm. ambulance service in town. And that lit a fire in me that I wanted to be in healthcare, and wow. so it really launched in my uh, preteen days um, that I thought that I wanted to do firefighting and emergency EMS work, and um, became an EMT, and had to wait till I turned eighteen and took the state exam, and then went right in and became a paramedic and worked as a, as a paramedic at Arrow Ambulance then for a number of years. And as a part of that journey, when I married and when I met my wife, she worked at that time, it's no longer in town, it's Burnham Hospital, oh, mm-hmm. uh, was in, in the Champaign area. And my wife was a admissions clerk there in the emergency department, met her, and she was going to nursing school. So then that, I'm like, okay, well, maybe I should check into going to nursing school. And uh, we both went to nursing school. So I, wow. um, yeah, it was just one of those things that it worked out. And uh, we graduated a short time apart on timing. And she was, we virtually didn't see each other a whole lot because I can imagine. Yeah, <laughs> between working and we were working full-time jobs, part-time oh. jobs and going to nursing school. Wow. And so we um, both graduated. That got me into nursing. And I was at, at that time, Carl had purchased Arrow. And so I had moved in and helped uh, build the emergency medical services system, EMS system. Wow. And had a wonderful opportunity, a medical director and an, an EMS coordinator that just mentored me. And I did education and then went, moved into leadership um, and so forth. And then graduated with my RN, had another mentor say, hey, you need to get some nursing experience, all your experiences as a paramedic and an educator for paramedics and things. So I transitioned over to Carl's emergency department. I worked straight night weekends for a number of years. And so every Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, I worked 12 hour shifts. And so it was um, quite an experience. Um, Mm -hmm. Wouldn't have traded it for anything. Um, Had some great uh, peers and coworkers and mentors along that way as a uh, journey as well. And that was back in the 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. uh, so many years ago. And so then I transitioned into a regulatory capacity at the state of Illinois, mm-hmm. worked there for many years, and then went back into an EMS leadership position in the private sector. And uh, the journey's just been uh, a blessing along the way. Uh, you know, God has opened doors uh, along the way for me to meet so many interesting people, do a lot of innovative and interesting things. Um, You you know, 
I was at one point worked on the counterterrorism program for the state of Illinois. And so just a lot of interesting things over the years I've been able to do with my paramedic and nursing experience. And so, and then I have degrees in business as well as administration. And so just kind of have mixed uh, academic learning along the way as well as um, work experiences and life experiences. And I, I attribute all that to my faith and how I treat individuals and, and so forth that God opens these doors for you uh, when you, you know, treat people well and, and so forth, then it comes back in positive ways to you. Mm, that's so beautiful. It's so wonderful to hear. I, I ve- really value people who have nursing degrees. My daughter at one point is in college and had started along the path to become a nurse and has changed to public health. But at one point we had talked about, you know, when you have a nursing degree, you can pretty much do anything with that foundation. You don't necessarily just have to be a, not that there's anything wrong with, with being a bedside nurse, but sure. there just your own journey shows you how many things that you can do having a nursing background and then combining it with other areas. So. By all means, I, anytime I have the opportunity to, to speak to individuals, uh, regardless of their age, but especially younger, uh, you know, individuals that may not have uh, chose a, a profession yet, I always recommend considering healthcare of some sort, especially nursing, it just opens so many opportunities, as you mentioned. So, um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm just an example of that, um, that, you know, it allows you to do so many different things. Yeah. So who or what influenced you to get engaged with the, the parish nursing or the faith community? Nursing is what it's called now. How did you get engaged with that ministry? Sure. You know, I think that I really hadn't done the official training um, until I started in this role in 2020. But I say that I've done it over the years because some of the experiences I've had, um, missions work and things of that sort, and I had the opportunity to start a a free health clinic um, for the underinsured and uninsured population in the inner city of Decatur um, Mm -hmm. and things. And so, you know, as a part of that, and that was faith-based. And so did volunteer nursing there as well. And so, you know, it was intertwining that whole person care model. And I just, I, I think that there's some things that, you know, my, my mom, you know, had a significant stroke. And so my wife and I both being nurses, you know, were right there is uh, helping her, you know, navigate those years until she passed away um, from another massive stroke. And, you know, I saw so many individuals that didn't have advocates um, for them. And faith community nursing really is a lot about advocacy and working on behalf of individuals that may not have a voice or may not know what voice to say something Mm -hmm. within the health Mm -hmm. system. And so as a result, their health may be deteriorating. And so faith community nurses, um, and I would recommend this to the audience um, for regardless of what faith community they 
are a part of to inquire, is there a faith community nurse um, that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. attends here that's a fellow member of that faith community? Because then they have someone they can go to and they can ask questions and they can ask about suggestions to navigate the health system. Because I would say the health system is sometimes very complicated um, Mm -hmm. for individuals to navigate. And so anytime you can find uh, someone to advocate, you know, on behalf, that's always a positive thing. So I see that as a part of my influence to become a faith community nurse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, the faith community health department at Carl started uh, just recently yes. in 2020. Um, so can you kind of just take a step back and tell us what that is specifically? Sure. Well, and, I, and I'm humbled and blessed to, to be selected as the leader of uh, a new department to Carl. And so Carl has a longstanding connection to the what was formerly called parish nursing education um, program. And then um, the faith community nurse, it uh, was changed at a, an international level, the title uh, a number of years ago to be more inclusive of all faith communities and all spiritual beliefs. And so as a part of that, I was intrigued by that. I had an, an understanding. I knew about parish nursing and so forth from many years ago. But then this opportunity when they were speaking to me when I was first interviewing about it, it really ignited ignited something within me because I saw a lot of the opportunities that I just mentioned, the experiences I had with my own mother. You know, I was like, okay, this is the opportunity to help individuals within the community, meet them where they're at, help them navigate the health system, advocate on their behalf, and then also educate from a health promotion and a wellness perspective from that Mm -hmm. whole person perspective of mind, body, and spirit, and intertwining my experiences within the healthcare arena as well as my faith-based upbringing and what my, you know, personal beliefs, you know, is important on faith and spirituality and how that affects everyone's health. And so all that, you know, just really ignited me. And I was like, wow, you know, how, how much more alignment, you know, can you ask for, you know, when you're looking for something and, and say, you know, this is a perfect fit. And I had other opportunities, you know, that were available to me at that time. And I was like, I just felt this was the right thing. This is what I was being called for. And, um, you know, I was blessed that that the leaders here felt the same thing about me. And so, you know, it, it has over the last two years now, I returned to Carl because I mentioned earlier that I I worked for Carl for about 12 years um, mm-hmm. earlier in my career. So I have the utmost respect, you know, for the organization um, as a whole. And it's changed tremendously and grown oh, yes. tremendously since I had left, but still had many uh, friends within the health system that worked here from even when I worked here, a lot of longstanding team members and leaders that were here when I worked here before. But, you know, coming back a week before 
the pandemic <laughs> hit. And so um, a lot of things changed from what we talked about, you know, when mm-hmm. when I was interviewing and when I first started for a week and then all of a sudden wow. everything shut down virtually and then the health system was focused a lot on the pandemic and COVID mm-hmm. response and making sure that we were able to care for individuals, um, not knowing what the future would hold. Um, and so I... I was blessed enough to use some of my past experiences to help with some of the COVID response uh, from a community health initiatives perspective from our division. And so that was a blessing as well, in my opinion, that I was able to use some of my, you know, God-given talents and experiences, you know, in that moment. And that's occurred uh, a few times over the last uh, two years. Um, And so you know, it's one of those things that we never can predict the future. Mm-hmm. None of us knows what the next moment or next day holds for us. And so we have to, you know, capture every moment. You, mm-hmm. you know, we have to make sure we're attentive in that moment. But what the last two years has been able to happen within faith community health, a lot of it's about tr- building trusting relationships. So it's, you know, I mentioned Carl has a longstanding history with uh, faith-based because of that parish nursing network and now called Faith Community Nurse Network across central and east central Illinois. The education, there's been over 550 nurses that have uh, completed that training through Carl over those years since 1997 when the education curriculum was first launched by Carl here in the area. But the executive leadership team here at Carl said there's something more mm-hmm. with faith-based organizations, with faith communities that are out there. We can do more. And the whole initiative with community health initiatives at Carl is really aimed at walking alongside individuals and meeting them where they're at outside mm-hmm. the walls of the health system so we can try to keep them healthier and outside the walls of the hospital, preserving the hospital for those that are acutely ill and sick and Mm -hmm. injured and making sure that those individuals that can attend wellness visits and can attend a primary an annual primary care uh, visit with a a physician and clinics and things. And also identifying ways out in the community that individuals would be able to participate in just from a general wellness perspective, you you know, how to eat healthier, how to live healthier. If you have a chronic condition, how do you self-manage that better? And and a lot of it comes down to knowledge, you you know, empowering individuals with the knowledge required. Um, And then if they don't have the knowledge, empowering them with knowing where to turn to, to gain mm-hmm. that knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the the whole concept of faith community health came from, of how can we walk alongside faith communities of all spiritual beliefs across central and east central Illinois and say, okay, if, if you have a health and wellness ministry within your community, what would that look like? How can we walk alongside you? How can we work together in collaboration 
and provide you with specialists to do an education session or yeah. provide a, a, a nutritionist dietitian to come in and do a healthy cooking class and things. Mm-hmm. So Faith Community Health has been a lot about that. We've also, uh, we work and walk alongside the community on advanced care planning. Um, We have, especially over the past two years with COVID, seen, unfortunately, countless instances where individuals are struck uh, with sudden acute illness from COVID, and they've not shared their personal wishes with their loved ones or their advocates and say, if something ever renders me unable to make my own healthcare decisions, this is what I want done. And they haven't filled out the advanced directives. And so Faith Community Health is really taking a lead from a community advanced care planning education and increasing awareness and normalizing that topic because so many people shy away from it because Mm -hmm. it is difficult conversations. It's, yeah. it's something that yeah. it, you know, we don't talk about death and dying. Yep, yes. Exactly. So death and dying, end of life, uh, you know, a lot of people, whether they're ingrained in their faith and spiritual beliefs, a lot of people still shy away from that. Mm-hmm. Or a lot of people say, well, I'm healthy, I'm younger, I'll uh-huh. wait, you know, until I'm older and things like that. But, you know, I always remind individuals that we never know what the next moment's going to hold. You know, you can have a car crash and being a level one trauma center, we see the daily traumas, um, unfortunately, of people that are suddenly impacted by a trauma situation. Mm -hmm. COVID showed us you can suddenly deteriorate from an illness such Mm -hmm. as this virus of COVID. Um, and so it's unfortunate then the healthcare system gets caught in the middle um, because a lot of those conversations that occur then creates stress and strife within the family environment in those waiting mm-hmm. rooms. And mm-hmm. the healthcare providers are trying to help them navigate these difficult conversations. And they're like, well, we don't know what they would want. And so We, and I'm really blessed because I had my own personal experiences between my father that was suddenly taken ill and was in Carl's ICU for 10 days before he passed, but we had to place him on a ventilator that first day. My mother and father hadn't had those conversations. And the five Mm -hmm. adult children, we didn't know either. And there was a lot of, a lot of just a lot of stress, a lot of words that apologies had to be extended later between the family members. And then fast forward many years to when my mother had had the stroke, her and I sat down and had, I was blessed to have a conversation for a couple hours with her about her wishes and desires. We shared that with my older siblings. Everyone was aware of what her wishes and desires were. And, uh, moment that we got the call that she had had a significant stroke again and was in the emergency department. And we had to make that decision. And it was easy for us. I mean, it's mm-hmm. never easy. I'm not going right. to. Right. You had already it, had the hard conversation. But the conversations, yes. we knew what mom's wishes were. And so I 
personally share these stories with when I'm out educating and teaching individuals about the importance of advanced care planning and completing an advanced directive. So those are some of the elements of faith community health. Within the responsibilities of faith community health and our, our ability to walk alongside with community members and faith community members, um, we also uh, help with uh, like the nurse honor guard. So when a nurse has passed away um, and a family wants to request a nurse honor guard, we help coordinate and facilitate those so we can pay respect at the visitation or, or oh, the funeral I didn't even service. know that was a thing. Oh, yeah. And so we have nurses that volunteer um, that come out and do a, a short ceremony um, at the visitation or or the funeral or the wake. And so we we are uh, blessed to be able to be a part of that, to pay respect of those that have given their life to help and, you know, the sick and injured and help minister to others through their nursing mm-hmm. career. Um, oh, and awesome. so it's, it's usually, uh, I've helped with, uh, un- unfortunately, many of them um, over the past two years. And mm-hmm. um, it, it's touching. Um, it's touching okay. to the family. It's touching to us as nurses um, to be a part of that. Um, and so those are some of the things that Faith Community Health is involved in over the last two years. I'm excited to see what the future holds um, yeah. because uh, now we're starting to build these relationships with faith communities. It's in, it's allowing me to learn about other spiritual beliefs and the other faith communities that I've never been exposed to throughout my life. So that's exciting um, to be able to see that there's a common thread. You know, almost every spiritual belief believes in some form of higher power, and they believe that spirituality has a connection to health and wellness. And so that is something that we're always able to come together on. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's and then, some element of love, right? Like oh, love of means. self and love of neighbor. And it is, um, it is. And, and you, thank you for bringing that up because we all, uh, regardless of what faith belief we have or spiritual belief, it, you know, typically we have that respect and love for one another, mm-hmm. you know, and, treat each person with respect. And Mm -hmm. and that's what we do within Faith Community Health. That's what I practice personally. That's what I our team does within Faith Community Health. We you you know, we just want to go out and love on people. You you know, we just want to, you know, share that um across the communities that we serve and and um you know it's just been an exciting journey, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's it comes back so much more to to me, blessing me more than I'm sure I bless others. Yeah. So, so um, I, as you were speaking about all the wonderful things that you do, I was curious about whether a lot of the faith communities around East Central Illinois and Central Illinois already have a wellness component in place as part of their faith community that you can just kind of come in and say, here are some resources and support that we can already hook into the things that you're doing. Or if these ideas of providing wellness support to the faith community are kind of new, especially I know a lot of our pastors and ministers and faith leaders are in light of the pandemic are kind of, um, 
trying to go back to kind of their core ministry of mm-hmm. whether it be evangelizing, whether it be um, providing worship services, whether it be providing faith experiences, and maybe don't have the time and energy to concentrate on community wellness or wellness of their people in their faith community. So what is your experience? Are these new ideas that you're bringing in and saying, this is a great idea to implement that's new? Or are there existing things that you're just kind of helping to support and enrich? Sure. No, that's a great question. And I think that, you know, I've heard the gamut of of responses uh, from faith leaders. So I always try to approach it that we want them to define what health and wellness looks like within their faith community. You, you know, and we we don't want to drive what their health and wellness ministry or initiative would look like. You know, I do connect the dots for when I'm, I'm speaking with faith leaders about so much of faith uh, communities and, you know, regardless of what you know, faith community it is, they have connectivity to health and wellness already. You know, pre-COVID, take out the pandemic, you know, most of them had some form of visitation. So, you know, calling mm-hmm. on the those that are sick or calling on those that are shut in, mm-hmm. you know, running errands for someone that can't drive any longer to make sure that they have food and medications or whatever, they'll run and pick them up, you know, and they have a team of volunteers that works on that. Many of them have food pantries or food boxes. And Mm -hmm. so that's ministering to food insecurity. They -hmm. don't ask for money in return. They're like, come and take, you know, and we, we minister to you, you know, as a part of that ministry all those. So I connect those and some do have a faith community nurse. And so some of them already are blessed to have some form of health and wellness ministry that does blood pressure checks and talks to members about health questions and so forth. But for those that don't have faith community nurses within their faith community, I try to remind them they probably already have these you know, initiatives mm-hmm. or ministries already going that are speaking to the health and wellness, the health mm-hmm. promotion and wellness. So I asked them if they've ever done a congregation survey, if they've ever assessed what the the congregation members would mm-hmm. want. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe there's a common chronic condition that many of them would want some form of education or some form of support group that they could come together and share Mm -hmm. experiences with one another. So those are some of the things of idea sparkers that I provide to faith leaders. But you're exactly right how you described it. And I cannot blame or or say, you know, faith leaders are not interested in it. They truly Mm -hmm. are interested in the Mm -hmm. health and wellness of their congregation. But the pandemic has created so many changes mm-hmm. within the structure of society. And so faith leaders are struggling to try to re-engage. And, and you mentioned it and described it well, that they're coming back to the core of what their ministry is. And that in most instances is some form of spiritual 
you know, mm-hmm. outreach to their community. But I try to remind them that they do already probably have these other elements that are in right. place um, that is speaking to health and wellness. So, and it's really about just building relationships. Um, we never want to force our ourselves on a faith community. Um, that's not what faith community health's about. It's really about walking alongside and just developing trusting relationships to where a faith leader, if they have someone that doesn't attend their faith community, come in the doors and say, I'm struggling with this, or I'm new to the community. I don't know where to turn. I'm running into walls because we have a lot of connectivity that's the blessing about where faith community health is within Carl's organization. We're within community health initiatives division. So Mm. we have all this connectivity to the other departments within Carl that have relationships with community-based organizations. We have uh, social workers accessible to us from our mobile health services team. And so we're, we reach out to them a lot and say, Hey, we have a faith leader that's reached out to us. They're, you know, have someone they're working with that has this situation. Do you know of a community resource that'll help them? And I would say probably a hundred percent of the time, they're going to have a suggestion and idea back to us of a community resource uh, for that faith leader to share with that individual or that family that they're working with. So um, talk about, you know, is this is this an interfaith effort? And what are some ways that you modify or adapt the offerings to different faith and religious communities, their beliefs and backgrounds? Sure. And so that's what we always want to be. We want to be respectful of the the faith that we're working with, and we want to be uh, respectful of the spiritual beliefs of that faith community. So we would always ask the faith leader or the faith community nurse, uh, are there any specific things that we need to be aware of if we enter your building? It's a sacred location. And so we want to be respectful. Are there any things we need to do upon entering the building? Are we allowed to enter the building? Mm-hmm. Um, are there things that are um, not acceptable within your faith belief or within your culture for us to to do? Or are there things that we should do um, that would mm-hmm. show respect and honor? Um, and so those are the things that we try to alter. Um, so most instances, you know, within healthcare, people come to the healthcare setting. Mm-hmm. We're going out into the community. And this is not just faith community health, it's all community health initiatives. All our departments are community based. So they're meeting people where they're at. They're mm-hmm. going into their homes, they're meeting them on the mobile health clinic. They're, you know, we're going into faith communities. So all these different locations that they're entering as sacred and Mm -hmm. as a a safe haven. Um, And so we want to be respectful of that. Yeah, no. And, and that's amazing that you keep that top of mind and that you are focused on that and, and honoring the different traditions and and backgrounds and spaces. By all means. Um, That's so important. So I would imagine that, um, there's some tension in the 
services that you provide because there is this intangible spiritual need about you know prayer and belonging and compassion but there's also sometimes um some negative health aspects that people are experiencing in faith communities like exclusion or judgment and there's also some health disparities that people are experiencing because of poverty or trauma and racial or ethnic identity. And so there's just all these considerations that this would seem to be a place of living in that tension. And so how would the people that you're working with um, navigating that and managing that tension? No, that's a great question. I think that first, we all need to understand that every individual has a journey. They ha- they've lived life. Some of those lives have been tattered with trauma, um, with uh, biases, uh, with unfair treatment. Um, you, you know, others have been, you know, fairly uneventful lives. Um, and so we have to respect every individual. Um, so that's our first thing is, you know, treat others how you would want to be treated. You know, we have to recognize Um, our unconscious bias. I mean, because our life journeys influence every person, their own life experiences influences what they, you know, think of others and how they approach others. And so we have to be cognizant to be able to learn uh, Mm -hmm. from past history, not run away from it, but Mm -hmm. learn from it Mm -hmm. and try not to repeat it. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing is, a lot of times, if you repeat the same things, you know, then it's just ingrained in culture and, mm-hmm. and society. And so I think that if we can be respectful of those that have had this trauma or this, you know, unfair treatment that has led to the mistrust, that we have open ears and open eyes and that we don't turn our back on individuals, that we face them together head on. You, you know, with whatever issue that is causing this mistrust. And we try to learn from them and we try to say, you know what, that is an issue within the healthcare system globally. We need to try to figure out a solution to fix it. That's what leads to those trusting relationships I mentioned earlier. Because if you can become a, a friend with someone, if you can, you know, truly show yourself to them, that you are sincere, that you're authentic, that you're not afraid to say that's a mistake that happened to you in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that leads to a lot of respect, you know, mutually, you, you right. know, um, because it takes a lot for someone like me to say to a person, yeah, that should have never happened to you in the healthcare system, or mm-hmm. that should have never happened to you in the community. Um, and recognize that. And then it takes a lot for them then to trust me, you know, and want to share and divulge information that may be hurtful and painful. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that. Sure. What are some ways that you're currently doing outreach and connection to congregations and communities? Yeah, so there's a variety of different faith communities that have reached out to us that we're working and walking alongside with. You know, an example, like we're over at Salt and Light Ministries in East Urbana monthly. And so we have a faith community nurse set up at a 
a table there once a month and we just offer to take blood pressures. We provide education. We are there if you want to ask a faith community nurse a question, you, you know, about navigating the health system or things like that. You know, we are in faith communities of all different sizes and, and belief structures. Um, you know, some have specific requests of us. They may say, hey, we're noticing an increase in stress and anxiety, and we're concerned about the mental health of our congregation. Would you be willing to bring in some speakers for a one-time education about how to reduce stress and anxiety, how to recognize it, how to reduce it? Mm-hmm. Um, others, like I mentioned, the salt and light, you know, of different size congregations and, and faith uh, communities invite us to come in monthly or quarterly to do mm-hmm. those sit in the back of the church on a Sunday or something, offer to take blood pressures, offer to talk to congregation members as they leave the service and things. So, and then we also walk alongside that faith community nurse network I mentioned. Those nurses are volunteering their time and sometimes they run into struggles on trying to figure out a resource or something to help them. So we we provide that, you know, back behind the scenes, you know, support to them um, because we never, uh, that's one thing, we never want to put the the spotlight on ourselves or on Faith Community Health or Carl on that aspect. We want to just be a, a resource uh, right. to the faith communities and to the faith community nurse network out there so that they are still that trusted face mm-hmm. and voice to their fellow congregation and their members of that faith community um, I would just say uh, recommend carl.org forward slash CHI. So that's the abbreviation for Community Health Initiatives. And anybody in the community or faith communities can go there. And each of those departments I mentioned earlier, uh, like our home visiting service nurses, our mobile health services, Faith Community Health, Center for Rural Health and Farm Safety, Home Health Hospice, all those different departments within our division are located there so they can click on a link. Like if they want to learn more about Faith Community Health and where we're at, they can go there. If they want to learn where the mobile health clinic is for any given day because they want to see a nurse practitioner, um, they can click on that and see where they're at that given day. So Mm -hmm. I would just recommend that as a resource for individuals that would like to learn more or find out something about our services of where we're at. And we'll put that in the show notes, too, so that people can have access to that link. Perfect. Um, Thank you. If you go on there, you can click a link to send an email to Faith Community Health Department. Um, You can call us at 217-365-5495. So 217-365-5495. That or the email uh, would be able to tell someone if they have a faith community nurse within their uh, faith community. Wonderful. Well, I really, truly appreciate uh, the time that you've taken and sharing this wonderful ministry for our entire community. Oh, do you have to be a Carl uh, patient to be able to access these resources? Oh, great question, Kelly. Thank you for bringing that up. No, uh, we serve all all individuals. Um, okay. and, and we always, when we're out there at community events, because we, 
we encounter individuals that seek health care at another health system or another doctor and so forth outside the Carl network. And that's fine. We always point them back to their primary health system or physician. Fabulous. And then um, will the faith community uh, nurses assist in advocacy and navigation assistance for all healthcare systems? Yes. And so that faith community nurse network um, that I mentioned that's out there right now that are the unpaid volunteers, they are able to answer those questions as well from a, a, a global perspective. Great. So they'll help with navigation no by matter where where you're receiving your health care yes. from. Yes, That's, by all that's means. incredible. Yeah. So I really, our audience um, really appreciates us ending interviews with a little bit more rapid fire personal questions. So are you ready to close out? Sure. Okay. So what is something that people get wrong about you? Well, and I have to be cognizant and, and conscious of this myself. A lot of times my posture or my facial expressions may appear that I'm upset or, you know, I'm just, I'm attentively listening oftentimes, um, but sometimes people get it wrong and think that I'm upset about something. Even my wife, after 35 years, uh, she'll like, what? Are you upset at something? I'm like, no, I'm just listening. I'm trying to absorb it. So so that's probably something that people get wrong about me. I I have that um, that aspect as well. Well, I'm glad I'm not alone. No, not at all. (laughs) Um, Where do you see the divine as most alive for you in this season? Yeah, so I, I have really grown on inclusiveness. When you're raised in one spiritual belief and one faith uh, culture, um, and that's all you know, um, you know, and I think healthcare over the years of my career have have helped open my eyes to that as well. But especially over the last couple of years, being in this role, uh, it's just divinity and divine is really an inclusiveness. Um, And just opening your arms, um, you, you know, and I just, I heard an analogy that if you have your arms folded, you know, you can't get anything in if you're trying to grasp and hold mm. on to what you have. Um, but if you open your arms, then you get so much more and outpouring that comes into you. I just love that because I'm like, you, you know, that's inclusiveness. You know, that's just opening your arms. I, I mean, it's one of those things I, I've said COVID put me at a disadvantage because my father raised me because he was a, a, a business person. You know, you shake someone with a firm shake, you know, when you greet them. And my mom was a, she was only like four, seven or so. And so she was a hugger and she taught me to hug, have a soft heart and hug. And so, you know, the, the pandemic really put me at a disadvantage. You know, mm-hmm. I couldn't shake hands. I couldn't hug, right. you know, so, um, and we couldn't see each other's smiles. Um, right. And so, but, um, it, you know, that's where I see divine alive is just open arms and being inclusive and loving on individuals. Mm. 
have you mastered the fist bump and the oh, oh yeah bump? oh yeah <laughs> I still slip up still with that handshake but the fist bump the elbow bump the air high five you know yep all those yep yeah well and we have a need to connect right and, I mean we and just the, do and on those virtual meetings saying uh, you're muted. <laughs> so, so got so that mastered mean. too <laughs> um so what's one thing in your life that might seem ordinary to other people but is sacred for you you know just being at home with family spending quality time with family you know in the past even myself and i still fall into this trap sometimes of the busyness of life mm-hmm. the busyness of the world just being with family and and your loved ones, maybe just laughing, reminiscing about, you know, stories and things and, and dreaming, you know, my Mm -hmm. wife and I love to dream. So, you know, when we're together and walk, you know, either taking a walk or driving somewhere, we'll dream oftentimes about what the future may look like for us. Mm. Um, So those are things I feel about. Mm. Well, I invite you if you're feeling busy and you're not having enough alone time to come in at Soul Care and experience one of our quiet pods, because that's what they're built for, to give you a safe space for quiet and stillness. Well, thank you. Spending time by yourself. Um, What are you deeply grateful for right now? I'm deeply grateful for health. I'm deeply grateful with how blessed I am, Um, you, you know. I'm I'm deeply grateful for the relationships that I've had, you know, in the past, what I have currently, what I'm going to have in the future. Um, just, to, you know, have some really close friends that, you know, you, you grow to consider them family, um, would open their doors in their house and give you the clothes off their back. You know, those, those are things that are so, you know, meaningful to me. So I'm a voracious reader, and I love uh, learning about books that people like and also recommending books to other people. But what's a book that you would recommend to the audience? Yeah, so from a faith perspective, there's a a short read. It's a short book on conflict resolution by Edstip, and I apologize if I'm pronouncing the names wrong, Road Cup and Johnson. And it's kind of weird because the book is flip-flop. So you got to have to turn it upside down halfway because one oh, half neat. of it's about conflict and the other half's about resolution. And it's oh, about wow. faith leaders and how they navigate, you know, relationships with like elders and deacons and their their teams within the faith community and how they can have conflict and how they can have resolution and and thrive with that resolution. So what's it called? Uh, it's conflict resolution. Oh, okay. So I just heard about one yesterday. I'm excited to read. Um, and, and actually it was from a professional colleague here at, at Carl. And so he and I were speaking, uh, it's called Canary in the Coal Mine. And it's interesting because it takes this whole person perspective. It's written by a physician, Dr. Uh, William Cook um, is the author in a small rural community in Southern Indiana. And it's about the hidden epidemic of substance abuse um, that he found when he went to this small rural community and 
how they were forgotten and shunned away and the stigmas that were there. Individuals and this, this physician, this doctor writes his journey of having to battle so hard on behalf of the community and how his perceptions changed and it's faith-based as well. So he intertwines uh, his spiritual beliefs and his faith beliefs into this as well. Um, And so I'm excited to read it. And the colleague said he read it straight through um, because it was so good. Um, And so I just wanted to share that with you. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Thank you for that. For both of those recommendations. Sure. Sure. Wonderful. So um, anything else you'd like to share before we close out? Well, Kelly, I I appreciate the opportunity just to come on and share a little bit about my journey. Um, You know, where faith, how important it is in, in my life personally, but also professionally as well. Now I get to intertwine uh, you know, faith into my professional life as well. It's It's been great pleasure to meet you and, and mm-hmm. speak with you about that. I really just wish everyone, you know, the, the healthiest life possible. I recommend that they do those wellness checks. So much of that was put on uh, pause during COVID and the pandemic. A lot of individuals have not went back for those things. Early detection is the way to health. Um, so, you know, having those annual wellness checkpoints that are scheduled, mm-hmm. keep them. Um, and so I would just challenge everyone in the listening audience to please contact their physician's uh, office and make sure um, if there's anything they are missing or should be doing uh, from, a, uh, from a wellness perspective that they, they follow through with that. Mm, yeah, how important. I mean, we wouldn't dream of not getting our oil changed or not, um, you know, filling up our radiator fluid. And so just as we take care of our vehicles or take care of our homes, we have to take care of our bodies That's right. and That's do right. that preventative maintenance. You're right. You're yeah. right. And and it's your analogy with the car oil change and things. If you don't do it and then your check engine light comes on or you run yeah. out of oil or something, then it's much more complicated to fix. Um, and so that's the same analogy. I appreciate you bringing that up as our bodies. Um, and so getting those routine preventative maintenance uh, on our bodies is important to prevent mm-hmm. those big breaks uh, in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing about your journey. Thank you so much for sharing about your your job slash ministry and for, you know, doing your part in connecting with our community, supporting our community and just caring for the whole person. So thank you very much. Thank you, Kelly. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. Have a blessed day. You too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Everything is Spiritual and taking time to nourish your soul. Tune in each week for a little community and a lot of conversation. Or subscribe in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss our next episode. For more resources around spiritual exploration, restoration, and transformation, be sure to sign up on our mailing list at experiencesoulcare.com. Visit our website for information on retreats, workshops, and services from our partners. Or better yet, 
come visit our welcoming space in Urbana to say hi and get a steaming cup of tea. Soul Care Urban Retreat Center is a warm, welcoming, and accessible place for you to refresh, renew, and restore your mind, body, heart, and soul. We set a great big table, and everyone is welcome. Until next week, be well.